0: you're listening to a podcast from au, where we celebrate talented Australian writers and their books.
1: Well, welcome to our listeners. Today I'm at the Squibby Conference, and that, if for those who don't know it is stands for the society of children's writers and illustrators um, organization and i have snaffled <laughs> taken away from the conference um, a very very talented writer and illustrator and her name is christina booth she's a very lively character welcome christina thank you and um To start with I have to say that um, Christina is a Tasmanian (laughs) and uh, through and through and she she's traveled up here from Tasmania such a long way (laughs) but um, in Tasmania she spends most of her time creating beautiful books and she's just given me a card with the most gorgeous illustration on it and you know it's a rare thing to have a writer who can write and illustrate So, Christina, tell me how you started. Were you great at art at school?
0: Um, My mother tells me, those embarrassing stories that mothers tell, that I used to go to bed with uh, pens and pencils, not teddy bears, and books. (laughs) And uh, I used to draw on my pillowcase. I don't remember doing that, but uh, I do remember. My earliest memories are drawing and creating things and inventing machines with pictures and and things like that so I have always drawn and I went to kinder and I even remember the teacher saying there that she was excited she knew that I could draw so she was excited so I've always been encouraged in that and teachers uh,
1: do have a big role to play don't they they for writers and illustrators Yes, yes
0: absolutely and so very very encouraged in my art and uh, my parents dreamed that I would become an art teacher, and uh, I did, but not because they dreamed it, but because it seemed to be a practical thing to do. But I did. I studied fine arts rather than art teaching initially, and then added a teaching degree so I could support my habit. So I started <laughs> I love that, as a, habit. a um, yes, to <laughs> pay away somehow. But I do love teaching. I'm a very passionate teacher, and uh, <clears throat> but I I started as a landscape artist. Right. And uh, doing a lot of sort of abstract, minimal style um, landscape art, a little bit of expressionist work. and But I'd always been interested in books, loved books, and just thought, well, I'd love to have my name on the cover of a book. One day, this was my dream as a child, and uh, thought that I would uh, be able to become an illustrator someday, one day. And uh, and so that was a dream that I, I hung on to. And I had children, and we're very we fortunate, you yes. did. <laughs> so I had children as often happens. You know, you start reading picture books again with your children, and thought, yes, this is really what I'd like to do. And so I started to play with that because I wasn't teaching at that stage, and um, ultimately ended up doing it because we moved into state, um, and I bumped into a lady who was starting a new publishing house. I did some educational poetry books for her, for big name. Uh, published, uh, writers such as Colin Tealy and Max Faction and Christopher Mattingly Wow, which that's impressive fantastic on a resume and, uh, and it was great and then it just, it just fell in from there and then one day someone said have you tried writing and I thought oh well why not, I'll give it a go and here we are
1: That must have been very very encouraging for you to um, <clears throat> illustrate for those great names, did did you know they were famous at the time or oh yes very they early. were already yes famous.
0: well it was at 2000 when I started that was that was the it's easy to measure how long I've been doing things because I started illustrating in, in the, the, the year turn of the yes <laughs> and uh this this publisher was a teacher at, at a school that I was doing relief work at in in Wagga and she had worked in publishing previously she was a music teacher and a drama teacher and and had a passion for poetry, so um, it turned out that she had actually been quite personal friends with with Colin Tierney and and uh, Max Fatchin and, and a couple of others. So um, to her, it was sort of like fairly ordinary to work with them. I mean, she knew they were worth working with, but mm-hmm. when she rang me up and said, "I'll." Oh, you know, Colin has seen the the first book you've done for us, and he would like you to illustrate his poetry in in the next book. I was you know, being very calm over the phone, but doing that, you know, soccer dance with the great high over fives your head, afterwards, yes, running around the room, exciting. being crazy, and it was very yes. exciting because my and, children and that were would, reading him.
1: Well, that would be a, that would be a, a key to to your next step, wouldn't it? Because as you said, it looks great on the resume. It, it so. does,
0: and it was in a way. Often the best way into this industry is through a back door. Um, and in it, that was my back door. I had these illustrations for these wonderful people who were very encouraging as well. They interacted with me and, and we didn't collaborate on the work, but after it was done, they would ring me up and would chat and I've got this gorgeous letter I still have from Colin at home, and very encouraging. But then I was able to say to people when I decided to try and do picture books, well, this is who I've illustrated for. Here, here are the samples for that. And, uh, and they went, wow. Yes, <laughs> it was. It, it sort of it, it made them pay attention. And, um, and I was still, you know, I still had a lot to learn, but uh, I was able to get my foot in the door that way. That's yes. a lovely story.
1: Now, the writing side of you. Yes. Uh, when did that take off?
0: Well, in about, I think it was about 2005, Uh, I went to a a, a writer's illustrator's retreat that was set up by... um the asa through the society of book illustrators and Mm -hmm. um, the asa for those listening is the australian society of authors yes Yes. and uh it was at the tyre state which is john marsden's property and he would allow them to use that and um i got invited along by a very generous person who was meant to be doing a portfolio assessment for me but we couldn't find a date and she suddenly said oh you should be at this weekend i'm organizing it i'll fit you in so i went along and i ended up going to two of those but on the first one they said to the writers we're going to get you to illustrate and if you are an illustrator can you dig up some writing because we're going to talk about that too just so that we could learn a bit about each other's craft and of course like any mother i had some rather ridiculously badly written stories that i had for my children and they were genuinely badly written and took them along, and took a couple of glasses of wine <laughs> before I went in and it's had my little It's very confronting, assessment. isn't it, it is. when you share your writing? That, that that's first something. time you do mm. it, and the first few times you do it, it is very much like running down the street naked. It's just and nowhere to hide. Mm, that's right. <laughs> um, but you do get used to that, and it becomes mm. and that's what the craft is—is is sharing your stories. But um, I was told that yes, they weren't very good, <laughs> but that it had promise, and that that if I thought about doing it, that I could probably develop my skills because I hadn't thought about it and mm. I wasn't trying very hard. So that hard. planted so, the seed. Yes, yeah. so I went yes. home and said to my family, expecting great encouragement, "I'm going to become a writer," and they all just looked at me and shrugged their shoulders and said, "No, you're an illustrator. Just don't worry about the writing." So I thought, right, I'm going to show you. <laughs> And a year later, I had my first book accepted oh, for publication. that's exciting. Mm.
1: And tell us about that first book. What was it?
0: I, I wanted to find an animal. I'm very passionate about the environment and animals, and I love drawing You've got them. lots of those at home, yes, animals? Yes, You live on have. a property? Well, we live on half an acre in the bush, yeah. so we have a lot of native animals that look after themselves. Beautiful. Plus the odd chook and a dog and a cat. So, But uh, very, very passionate, especially about Tasmanian animals and because I grew up in the bush. And I thought, I really want to find an animal that no one's really written a book about and, or not lots and lots. I mean, there's yes. lots of cats and dogs and hippopotamuses. Yes, that's right. <laughs> um, so <coughs> I watched a documentary on the Tasmanian Devil, which I thought I knew everything about, but then realised that I knew nothing about. Wow, <laughs> um, and I thought, well, I'm a Tasmanian who grew up in the bush with Tasmanian devils, and if I did that, a know Richard that, Attenborough one? <laughs> no, it was an Australian one, and it was, and I wasn't going to watch it because I thought, well, I don't need to watch that, but it was being narrated by Eric Banner. Wow, and I thought, ooh, sexy voice, yep, <clears throat> yep. yep. I'll watch him, um, and that's why I watched it because he was narrating it. Yes, and. Uh, and, that, and I learnt so much and I realised that if I didn't know that as a Tasmanian who'd gone, you know, lived in the bush, had gone through school where we were supposedly taught about them, then how would anybody else know? And so I decided there and then that that was the animal. Great and so idea. I wrote a book called Perinina, A Devil's Tale. Perinina is the... Um, the The indigenous name for the Tasmanian devil Mm -hmm. and (coughs) it's uh it's just like the word cat or dog but I've used it as the devil's name in the book and it's sort of it's a faction book it's a it's it's fact told through fiction yes and so we follow the life journey of this one Tasmanian devil from her birth it's a
1: bit of edutainment
0: yes edutainment and it is it's good It, it went really well and we got that published through um Hachette Oh, wonderful. And so <clears throat> let's move
1: forward to today. Um, how many books have you done since 2006?
0: Since 2006, I have, gosh, now you're asking. <clears throat> I have a fuzzled brain. We've been at the conference with so much information. I, I have five picture books now. Um, let me just do a count. A bit. Wow. One, two, three, yep, five uh, that I've written. Yes. and I've illustrated because I illustrate for other people um, yes. I'm up to about 20 including those of my own You're um, a busy, busy woman It has, actually someone <laughs> asked me yesterday I said, oh so how many have you got and I'd already said when I started and they said you've done that since 2000 and I went Oh, yeah, actually, that's exhausting. It's fantastic, isn't <laughs> oh, it? makes me feel tired. Don't look back, it. just look yes. forward. That was very exciting. It was a wonderful <coughs> journey. It's wonderful. Mm.
1: And um, look, I, I, I missed the session yesterday, but I have heard it's legendary that there was a book pitching session yesterday, and Christina was the star from what I've heard. <laughs> Tell me a little bit. It was a three-minute, uh, we had lots of publishers here, and people were asked to do a three-minute pitch for their latest book and uh, other people not Christina other people have told me that hers was the best (laughs) and so I'd like you to tell us a little bit about how you put together a pitch when you've got three minutes what did you do
0: well the three minutes wasn't such an issue if you're a picture book writer if you can't pitch something in three minutes you've got a problem I really feel for people that are trying to pitch a novel or a series that's you know that's hard work um, <clears throat> I could have read the whole story in less than three minutes, but I knew that's not what they wanted. That's not a pitch. That's just telling a story. Mm. Uh, we only found out um, about two weeks before we came over that we had been selected. So I. So even
1: that process was selective?
0: Yes, yes. People had to submit, and they chose the, the manuscripts they felt would, would best succeed, I think. And um, so I asked to present in three minutes, and I, I wasn't that nervous. I'm actually I do public speaking and things. So I thought, no, this is all right. This is fine. Until everybody else started talking about how nervous they were, and there's people started talking about, oh, have you, are you including this? Are you going to say this? And I think, oh my goodness. But I did do a lot of research before I came. I thought I'm going to look up what people do in these things called elevator pitches, and it talked about how you describe your work what sort of adjectives you would use, uh, how can you sell your work to the publisher in, in that they can then sell it to the public if they print it, what what will the reader get out of your story. So I looked all that up and then I sat down and wrote wrote the pitch and gave them samples of the text um, interspersed with story about the inspiration and information about you know, marketing and, and where I felt that it sat in the market, what made it unique to other books along that line. So... They seem to like it, but it turned out that the scariest thing of all is standing in front of 160 people while this panel of publishers then critique your presentation.
1: Oh, right. <laughs> Publicly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they were very very kind they were, to everyone. They yes. <laughs> um, But, you know, I, I like that idea of using an elevator pitch because I think that that's a key point in marketing yeah. and it sounds to me like what you did was put the publishers lens on mm. and you pitched it to what they would want to hear yes and yes. I think that's a very important subtle difference because we're also passionate about our own books yes and yet um, we're pitching to publishers who, who have to sell the books. Yes. So you have to, it sounds to me like you, you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> I, I seem
0: to have. It was my first time doing what, it. So. What was the book that you pitched? Um, I pitched a book about Tasmanian tigers. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and uh, it was a book I actually wrote after I wrote Perinina, my first one, um, to partner it. But um, I had originally signed Perinina with Lothian, but they were... Um, Bought out by Hachette So when, by the time I created that book, it was Hachette and back then in two thousand and seven, when it was released, it wasn't the sort of book that they were actually publishing. So they honoured the contract, and and then that was the end of that. Um, it, the story is a little bit different now. I've decided I had to realise that I had to let go of the fact that it wasn't a partner. I had to stand alone. So <clears throat> I put it away for quite a few years, and then I pulled it out recently and, and rejigged it and rewritten it and. Um, so it's the, it's the story of the last thylacine, um, yes. and it was quite timely actually because uh, the seventh of September is uh, World Endangered Species Day, which is, commemorates the actual day of the death of the last Tasmanian tiger, which happened eighty years ago. So this week, wow. um, I just I didn't realise until I wrote the date down and then started reading it out to practice at home that. It was in exactly the same week and it was the 80th anniversary. Did you include yes. that in the pitch? Uh, yes. yes. Fabulous. <laughs> so it's and so
1: what happens now? Um, you wait and uh, I believe that you receive expressions of interest from different publishers. Is that how it works?
0: Well, the publishers that are on the panel got the opportunity to say, send it to me. And I had two...